listeners, how's it going out there? I hope that you're having a great day. I, for one, am pretty excited because the days are starting to get longer. Extra daylight definitely makes me happier. Sometimes those small things are the ones we need to hold on to, especially when things are tough. There's a lot going on these days in the news and things that we might be experiencing in our own personal lives, and it seems like a lot of people are stressed. So maybe we'll start this off with a couple nice deep breaths. So get yourself in the most comfortable position you can, breathing in slowly on a count of three, one, two, three, then exhaling slowly on a count of three, one, two, three. Can picture ourselves in a nice, safe, worry-free spot, being in the cold weather of January, Maybe that safe spot for you is sitting next to a nice warm campfire or lounging on a nice warm beach, listening to the waves, whatever works for you. Picture yourself there and imagine there's a box. You're going to put all your worries into the box and then lock it. For the next couple of minutes, you don't need them. There'll be plenty of time to deal with them later. But for right now, you're just gonna sit in your safe, comfortable spot, taking deep breaths. Breathing in slowly, one, two, three. Breathing out slowly, one, two, three. Feeling the relaxation roll across your body. Imagine what you can feel in your safe spot. Maybe a warm blanket, a gentle breeze, the sun kissing your skin, whatever you might feel in this spot, feeling that and breathing in slowly, one, two, three, breathing out slowly, one, two, three. Hopefully you feel a little less tense. If you wanna try and do more on your own, it can also help to go through your whole body, tightening and loosening each muscle. You can work from the toes to the head or the head to the toes, whatever way you'd feel better doing it. And I'm always happy to share more self-care tips and coping strategies. If anyone's interested, feel free to send us a message. Now that we're nice and relaxed, unfortunately, I'm going to jump into a tough, tough topic, a tough but incredibly important topic. That topic is stalking. January is Stalking Awareness Month, and stalking happens quite a bit. Statistically speaking, about 1 in 6 women and 1 in 17 men will experience stalking in their lifetimes. Anyone can be a victim. I share those numbers as ones that we have, but please know that all other gender identities can be victims too. Non-binary, transgender, whatever you might identify as, anyone can really be a victim of stalking. And there are also a couple other things to keep in mind when we say statistics. One is that although those numbers are high enough to be a problem, things like stalking are often underreported. People might not realize it's happening or identify it as stalking, or they might deal with it in ways that don't involve reporting it to someone. For instance, one study found that only 6% of intimate partner stalking victimizations were reported to the police. So that's a very low number. And we do understand that there are certainly valid reasons for not reporting and reporting isn't going to be the best for everyone. But there's also a good chance that some people are not reporting who might benefit from it because maybe they don't understand what stalking is. They don't know that it's a crime. Maybe they're scared because they don't understand how the process works, what will happen, or they might fear retaliation if they try and seek help. So that is something we really want to change. We think it's important for people to realize help is out there and that help is accessible to everyone. 
whether that be through reporting, safety planning with an advocate, or any other direction that a person might want to pursue. Sometimes people downplay how serious stalking is. Like maybe you've heard people joke about social media stalking, or maybe you've heard someone gush over how romantic a movie is when that movie is portraying stalking as romance. Unfortunately, people can overlook some warning signs and think of stalking as something they just have to deal with. But stalking is serious and it's a crime. When I was younger, I was friends with a man who had been stalked. At the time, I didn't know what I know now and hadn't really heard anyone talk about stalking before. We didn't know any of the steps that could be taken or what really it was, but it was clear that what was happening was really disrupting his life and upsetting him. In his case, there was a woman who claimed to really like him. She physically followed him around and showed up at places he went uninvited. She'd follow him or overhear conversations to know where he was going, would like look out the window to see if he was walking by and then follow him and would show up at places and act like it was coincident or fate that they kept running into each other in the same places. Despite how many times he assertively told her he was not interested in being with her, she continued to talk about them like they were already together and this was just some kind of game he was playing and one day he would realize how much he liked her. The more this situation went on, it became more clear how hopeless and frustrated he was feeling by it. But we didn't really know any of the options that were available. He tried to keep his life more personal, switch up his routine, and tried not to let it get to him. In this particular situation, things didn't escalate and he was okay in terms of safety. Though obviously not okay in terms of emotional distress and lifestyle changes that he was forced into and things like that. Stalking can be really difficult emotionally, it can have an effect on someone's mental and physical health, and it can lead to long-term consequences. So it's not okay that it happens and nobody ever deserves it. However, for too many people, stalking does also escalate and can get to a really dangerous situation. Some statistics we have include that one in three women stalked by an intimate partner were also sexually assaulted by that partner. And stalking increased the risk of intimate partner homicide by three times. Those are some scary statistics of how dangerous stalking can be physically for a person. And I don't share them to incite fear, but rather to help highlight how serious and dangerous stalking can actually be. But I want to be careful with saying this, not to downplay stalking that doesn't get to this level either. Because dealing with stalking can have a huge impact on a person's life, even if it doesn't get physically violent or life-threatening. It can make people feel like they're constantly looking over their shoulder. It can make it difficult for them to trust other people. It can make them fear for their lives. It can make them miss work or school or not be able to do things that they really like doing. And there's a lot of other effects on a person's psychology and health as well. Sometimes people see stalking as either something that happens to celebrities or something that happens in bad relationships and not any of the other options. And it can certainly be either of those. There unfortunately are a lot of stories of celebrity stalking and a lot of stories of intimate partner violence stalking. But it can be other things too. A stalking victim might have a roommate, friend, or stranger as their perpetrator. It might be within a relationship or it might be after somebody's ended a relationship, or it might be somebody trying to form a relationship with the victim. Anyone can be stalked, and there might not necessarily be a romantic context to it. 
So what is stalking exactly? It's a pattern of behavior that's directed at a specific person that would cause a reasonable person to feel fear. When we talk about pattern, that typically means two or more instances. But if you're looking into legal specifics, that might vary from state to state on how they define it. When we say stalking is directed at a specific victim, we want to also keep in mind that while a certain person is the focus, a stalker may also contact the victim's family, friends, and our coworkers as part of their stalking. So they might use other people to get updates on where the victim is or get information. They might also use the trust the victim has for these people against them in a way. For example, if they make someone a mutual friend, they might use that friend to invite themselves to somewhere that the victim's gonna be where they can show up unexpectedly when maybe the victim didn't want them to be there. Or they might use a friend's phone to contact the victim so the victim will see the friend's number come up on their caller ID instead of the stalker. This could be done in a way where the friend wouldn't have any idea that they're even helping out the stalker. For example, someone who is being stalked had a situation where the stalker ran into a friend of hers, brought her up as a mutual friend, made a little conversation about wondering how she was doing, and asked for her phone number to call and catch up. This might seem potentially harmless and legitimate to a friend who doesn't know the whole story and doesn't have any reason to think that this person might be trying to get a phone number that that person wouldn't allow them to have. So the fear part of the definition can also be a little tricky because the context for a victim might be different than it is for others. For instance, someone might leave the victim seemingly innocuous gifts like magazines, little notes, presents that we think we would like to get. Sometimes the context for the victim helps us to see the fear. For example, imagine they got a restraining order against someone and that person isn't supposed to be there at their house anymore, but is leaving magazines on their porch. That would fill a person with fear because it's basically that person saying, I don't care about your restraining order. I'm showing up where I'm not allowed to and showing that they're not following through with what they're supposed to be. Or there might be a hidden threat inside of it. I heard a story once about someone receiving flowers from an ex at work. Most people thought this seemed really sweet. She did not because he had threatened in the past that he would kill her for leaving and on the day he was going to do it would send her flowers. So we can see how for her, these flowers meant that this might be the day that he tries to kill her. And that has a much more serious context to it than just seeing the flowers might. So knowing what it means to the victim matters a great deal. We mentioned unwanted gifts and physical following, but what are some other signs of stalking? One could be constant contact, calling the person multiple times a day, texting them all throughout the day, always wanting to know where they are, who they're with, what they're doing. I understand that some people frequently text someone they may be friends with or are getting to know, but with stalking or abuse, there's a different feel to it. There's a pressure to respond immediately to the person, maybe a fear of what might happen if they don't. The person might feel very overwhelmed by the messages and show a discomfort for it, but the other person keeps sending them anyway. Paying attention to gut feelings matters. If someone is texting you more than you're comfortable with it, or calling you more than you're comfortable with, it's really important to speak up and say something. Someone who's a healthy partner or friend or whatever relationship may feel a little sad about it, but ultimately they'll be understanding and work towards change. A person who acts abusively or stalks will likely keep it up regardless of your wishes or make you feel bad for even asking that they stop. They often will make the other person feel responsible. 
Another warning sign could be obtaining details that you haven't provided them. They might get these details through talking to mutual friends or family members of the victim. It might be through reading their online posts or things that pop up on searches and doing an elaborate online look through of their life. It might be from eavesdropping or different things like that. But the stalker will often know things that the victim never told them one-on-one. -on -one. It could be monitoring them. Now, a lot of us will occasionally check in with people we care for or look at their social media to see how they're doing, and that might be totally normal. But someone needing to constantly know what that person's doing, where they are, who they're with, is a concern. Unfortunately, technology makes following and monitoring fairly easy. There are a lot of apps that are designed for harmless reasons that unfortunately can be used to track a person or to follow their whereabouts. So a lot of technology is really easy for even somebody who's not very technologically savvy to be able to do some of these things. The person could also be showing up unannounced. This might be going to where the victim works, showing up at a yoga class, a boxing class, or some other activity they're a part of. It could be running into them in the store. For youth, it might be being at their the door of their classroom as soon as class ends or showing up different places they are like at club meetings. Sometimes a nice surprise is welcome and this is different from that. For instance if it's the person's birthday showing up at work with a gift or taking them out to the lunch on their work break might be a kind thing. It really depends on the dynamics of the relationship and how the person feels about it. A couple of considerations in deciding what's kind versus stalking would be if there's been previous conversations. Maybe the victim has said it bothers them when the person shows up at work or that they could get in trouble with their boss. Then it's definitely problematic for that person to appear. If the victim has stated not really liking surprises or if they didn't tell the perpetrator where they were going to be and doesn't know how they found out, these types of surprises are unwelcome. If the surprise seems welcome, appropriate in the context of their relationship, and something that a dating partner or friend willingly shared, maybe it would be okay. But that feeling of fear or discomfort, having said no or expressed disinterest in the past, having it happen all the time versus on a special day, etc., are all things to keep in mind and consider. One thing to always keep in mind with warning signs is that every situation is unique. Not having these warning signs does not necessarily mean you're not experiencing stalking. It may look different for you. Some people will experience one or two warning signs. Some might not even realize stalking's happening. And some might experience the whole list. Every situation is a little different. This list is just to give you some ideas of what it could look like and help you kind of tune into some of the feelings that might be involved or how it might be different than maybe you see some of these behaviors portrayed in a nice way. If you think you're being stalked, what can you do about it? The answer to that will also be different for different people. I think a great start would be to call our hotline at 860-763-4542, or you could call the hotline of another domestic violence agency, stalking agency, or sexual assault crisis service that you feel more comfortable with. The reason for this is because an advocate can talk to you about your specific and unique situation to help you come up with personalized strategies. 
I'm going to list some options that you might have, but they might be ones that won't work for you, don't fit into your specific situation, or maybe there's a particular obstacle for you. For instance, dealing with stalking from a perpetrator in a current dating who's a current dating partner that you're living with and that you can't afford to leave into a different situation is going to look differently than what somebody would do who's being stalked by a stranger on the street or someone being stalked by a coworker, or someone being stalked by an ex that they're now separated and moved away from. So each situation has its own obstacles, resources, strategies, and all that. Being able to talk through all of it and to find out what's going to work best for you is the most helpful. So I do recommend, if you can, finding an agency that you feel comfortable with, with an advocate that can take you through it step by step and help you find out what's going to work best for you. Because unfortunately, a lot of times kind of generic information will fall short of what we really need. But knowing that there's resources out there for you is helpful. Since stalking is a crime, one thing you can always do is report it to the police. This doesn't work for everyone and there's reasons why people might not want to, it's up to you, but it is just one option that's available because it is a crime. If you plan to report to the police, what I would recommend doing is creating an incident log for the most success. Police officers can be their most helpful if they have enough evidence to work with. So an incident log doesn't have to be some super fancy thing. It could be a blank piece of computer paper that you write on, it can be anything. But what you do want to do is write the dates, times, descriptions of what happened, and perhaps most importantly, some idea of what that means to you. For instance, if the person's leaving magazines, rather than just writing leaving magazines, which somebody could take one way or another, you might want to include any hidden messages that might be left for you through that action, what intentions might be there, and how you know. So if I say a magazine was left on my door, that doesn't tell someone as much as it would if I said, I've moved to a new apartment that my perpetrator wasn't supposed to know the address of, and today I found this magazine that I know is specifically from him or her because the cover was a restaurant where we went on our first date. That's a much different story that provides a lot more intention and a lot more of the fear that's involved in that situation because they weren't supposed to know where it was and because it has some sort of significant meaning to it. So providing that extra context will build a story and show more of the situation. So what the incident log is doing is showing police that there's a pattern by the number of incidences that they can get an idea of why the victim feels fearful and they might even get some in stock into uh, some insight into where the stalker is based on their behavior. And all that's a decent amount to go on. So again, it doesn't necessarily matter how it's written like in terms of if you have some actual fancy spreadsheet or if you're just writing it down on a napkin or whatever, it's more about helping you to get out all the details. Because sometimes when people go in on the spot to tell their story, they might forget certain things. They might focus on that one pressing event that just happened instead of creating that whole pattern of events. Or they might explain it in a way that doesn't make as much sense to an outsider because it doesn't convey that fear because I think sometimes when we're really stressed, we sometimes don't really think through things like they're not gonna understand this means this, only I understand that. So writing it all out ahead of time can just help you to be more prepared in that way to get those thoughts out and to be able to show that to them. Having a pattern is really helpful. 
in showing that it's something that keeps happening and that it's something that is actual stalking. So having those things for the police can be really helpful. Of course, if you are in an emergency situation, if it's immediate, you're really scared and you want to call, safety is most important. Just go right through with it and say what you have to say. But if you do have a chance, the incident log is just something that's going to help you a little bit extra in conveying the importance and the pattern and what exactly is going on. Another tip you could use is to create a personalized safety plan. Again, this is something that our advocates can help you with, so you can feel free to call our hotline. There are also sites like loveisrespect.org that have interactive online safety plans, so that might be another option for you as well. This is something that's really gonna vary on what's going on, who's involved, what the person's life's like, and all that. But you think about potential dangers, areas that you might be unsafe, patterns that the stalker might have, and what you can do about them. If you live on your own in a separate location, for instance, maybe thinking of things like changing the locks, switching your routine, having someone stay with you for a while, maybe avoiding places that you know the stalker frequents, having phone apps where you can call someone um, like in an emergency, they have some of those, where, like you could put your circle where you put like people that they can contact that you trust most or different things like that. Knowing escape options. If you have to run into the person at school or work, maybe thinking through ways that you can keep a buddy with you or maybe avoid passing them in the hallway. If you were living with the person, it might be different, but until you're able to escape that situation, maybe finding ways to just keep yourself safer like being aware of your technology, if you know that that person might use your passwords, check your search history, things like that, being mindful of that and the type of content that you post or how you can maybe protect your stuff from them seeing where you've been. You might also consider things like recognizing the triggers of aggressive behavior and how you can get out of those situations or avoid those or de-escalate those situations. I feel like it's important here to say that stalking and abuse behaviors are absolutely never the victim's fault. No one deserves that and it really shouldn't be your responsibility to stop it. It's important to hold perpetrators accountable and to recognize that that's where the fault lies. But we also value your life and safety and know that realistically having a safety plan to protect you is the best thing that you can do until an action can be done to further stop the person, like an arrest or whatever you decide to pursue. And if listening to this, you're realizing that you might engage in stalking behaviors yourself, I think it's an important first step to recognize that and that there's also definitely help available. Unfortunately, not as much as there should, but there are programs that you could look into. You could talk to a counselor or therapist Try and recognize the root cause of these problems and how you can be a better version of yourself. For instance, if it's coming from power and control, sometimes people develop that dynamic of needing power and control because they've lost it at some other point in their life. Maybe they grew up with abusive appearance or maybe they went through some kind of significant trauma or have different things going on. And if you work through that and healing through that, it might be able to be something that can help you to avoid these behaviors in the future. So it's always something to keep in mind too that there is hope for change if you 
recognize it and work on it. If you work with law enforcement, domestic violence agencies, or sexual assault agencies, you can also explore compensation through the Office of Victim Services. They can help with things like providing money to get those locks changed. What they do is they offer financial compensation for victims of crime, and again, stalking is a crime. One thing to keep in mind is that there usually is some kind of referral from an agency, so from the police, from the domestic violence agencies, but we can help to set you up with that, and they might be able to offer you some further compensation so that all these things don't fall on you. Because I know some of these things, like getting your locks changed, might seem like a really big task that you don't have the money for, but we can they can help with things like that. So if you are experiencing stalking, there are options out there for you. You don't have to go through it alone. You can call us to create a safety plan. You can report it because it's a crime. You can use programs that help you keep your address confidential if you're moving to a new location to help keep you hidden and protect it. No one deserves to be stalked and it's not your fault. We're here to help and we can help you come up with more personalized options. So again, if none of these really work for you, or you don't know how to go about something like creating your own safety plan, or you'd like a little guidance with your incident log or anything, we are happy to help with that at our hotline or through our counseling with our community advocate. One thing that we can all do to help is to make sure that we're taking stalking seriously. We wanna be careful that we're understanding and listening to people rather than downplaying their experiences. So I know that I've seen situations where people have maybe tried to come out that somebody was stalking them and people like laughed at it or said like, oh yeah, that person's like so crazy. They're so obsessed with you or, but didn't really take in the seriousness of it. And that can make the person feel like it's not really something that they can get help for. So you wanna make sure to take people's experiences seriously and to avoid normalizing it. Another way we can avoid normalizing it is being careful about the entertainment and media that we take in. There's unfortunately a lot of stuff out there that kind of romanticizes or glamorizes stalking, and that can send a confusing message both to a potential victim who might not recognize what's happening to them as problematic because they think this is just how people are, can also send a problematic message to people who might potentially become stalkers of maybe thinking that their behavior is okay or that this is what other people do and it works so it could work for them. So we want to be really careful about engaging with stuff like that and being mindful of the media that we take in. We can also raise awareness and spread accurate information. We can have training or instructions on what to do at our workplaces or schools. We can call out inappropriate behaviors that we hear from friends. For example, if your friend is telling you she wants to look through her boyfriend's phone, you can discourage that behavior, remind her that he has a right to his privacy, and that if something's bothering her, it would be much better if she just communicated with him directly. If you have a friend that tells you he sent his girlfriend a million texts and she hasn't responded and he's getting really angry, maybe have a conversation to see what's going on. Let him know that that's kind of excessive and talk about maybe how there's a healthier way that he could handle his feelings. If you have a friend that jokes about social media stalking, maybe just saying things like, I don't think that's funny to kind of change people's use of that. 
If a friend constantly has to check in with their dating partner, maybe telling them that that doesn't seem right to you and have a conversation to learn a little bit more about it. When it comes to calling things out though, I always think it's so important to be careful that you're respectful and willing to hear the other person out. While it can be helpful for someone to learn a behavior is harmful, and I definitely think it's good to say something when you see something, we also want to be mindful that things aren't always what they seem. For instance, I really like going for hikes and sometimes go by myself. Things will probably be fine most of the time, they almost always are, but realistically there are some dangers associated with that. What if I took a wrong turn and got a little lost, the trail wasn't marked well, or I stumbled and twisted an ankle? It might be helpful for me to have an app that can share my location with somebody I trust. That wouldn't mean that person's stalking me. So we do want to be mindful and careful with that. I saw a post online the other day where someone was saying that a friend keeps telling her it's so unhealthy she shares her location with her husband, but she says she does it to feel safer so she doesn't have to worry about like being kidnapped or something. He would know where she is. So it really, some of these warning signs can be a little bit situational depending on the context of the situation. It's much different if it's something that a person is interested in and excited about like with the surprises if somebody loves surprises and feels so good when that person shows up and surprises them at work that would be a different situation than again somebody who said no somebody that could get in trouble or somebody that doesn't have that kind of relationship with the person so we do always want to be a little bit mindful of the context and although some of these behaviors are just generally unhealthy, it still is important to be non-judgmental if you want to have a good conversation with somebody and really help them understand their behaviors. So you just want to be careful of that and make sure that you're having non-judgmental conversations that focus on the particular issue with room for understanding. The bottom line of all of this is that when it comes to issues like stalking, there is something that we can all do to protect our family and loved ones and friends. If you are experiencing it personally, you can and deserve to have help getting through it. However, I hope that you never experience stalking or anything but healthy relationships, but if you do know that we are available for you 24-7 with a hotline and we also have a bunch of other services like court advocates, community counseling, a safe house, advocacy and education programs. So again, you're not alone and there's definitely stuff out there or for a friend or family member if you know someone going through it. So please let me know if you have any questions or if there's a specific aspect of stalking you'd like to know a little bit more about. I'd be happy to answer them either one-on-one -on -one or in a future episode. If you follow our social media, which I would encourage you to do, of course I'm biased, but I would because there's a lot of good stuff on there. We are posting about stalking almost daily this month and you're welcome to share any of that information. We like Awareness Months because they give us an opportunity to highlight some important issues and remind us to be taking that time each year. But of course, stalking isn't just a January thing. It's good to raise awareness anytime you see a good video, article, or post related to the topic. 
you could save someone's life with these small things. And it might sound cheesy or over the top, but it's honestly true because someone might see an article you post, read it, realize like, whoa, that describes me. That's exactly what I'm going through. And now they know that it's stalking, they can get help and where they can go. And that can truly mean a lot because like I said, it can be dangerous and it can escalate, unfortunately, to even homicide sometimes. So it is really, you really could be saving a life. And I think back to before I did this kind of work that there are so many things that I probably take for granted knowing now that no one would have talked to me about in school or other workplaces that I was in and I would have been clueless. So I think it's always important to be aware that even though this might, maybe you're tuning in because this is the kind of topic that you're really interested in and you know lots about it. For a lot of people, this might not be the reality. They might never have an opportunity to learn. They might never have anybody who brings it up to them. They might see movies that glamorize it. And so when they have their own experience with it, might see it as an annoyance, but ultimately no big deal because of that. Or they might realize that it's awful, but not realize that there's a place to go. Maybe they know the police, but they're fearful of the police or of deportation or of any other thing, retaliation if they report, etc. So awareness is really not a small thing and we can't take for granted the knowledge that we have that others might not. So please do feel free to share any of that or to share this podcast. And thank you all for listening. I hope, as always, that you're healthy and safe and doing well. And please do check out our other episodes if you haven't, because we do have some really incredible interviews. And I'm hopeful that we'll have a lot more of those coming in the future. So I look forward to talking to you again. Thank you.